Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is my first time that I get to speak with you in uh, 2021. Uh, last week we had some international workers, the Holcombs, with us uh, to challenge us and to inform us about what they were doing in ministry. Uh, and so that was a special Sunday. So this is really, for me, this is the first Sunday of 2021. And it might be a good idea, I thought, to say something to try to help us put the previous year in perspective. And uh, so even though that might be hard to do, I, I entitled this message, Putting 2020 in Perspective. And we're going to try it. Uh, I, I know when you think about 2020 that you know, the temptation is to think, oh my goodness, like, uh, remember that old song about Lubbock, Texas, the country song? Happiness is Lubbock, Texas in the rearview mirror. You don't remember that? I, I thought about that when I thought about 2020. We could, I could preach a sermon entitled, Happiness is 2020 in the rearview mirror. And you might go for that one. Um, but then I thought, maybe, maybe, maybe we, could, we could do a little bit more than that. I know the temptation is just to take 2020 and kind of, you know, scrape it off the bottom of your shoe and move forward and forget about it and go on with life and, and try, to, try to continue on. And the passage that I want to look at today is definitely more in line of, of looking forward more so than looking back. And yet, um, if you're like me, you took driver's ed before you got your license, and one of the things you learned was that sometimes it's good to look in the rearview mirror. Um, before you do something moving forward, like change lanes or, or, or do whatever. And so it is important sometimes to look back. And, and I want to do that for a minute, and this passage is going to help us do that as well. So when you get to Hebrews chapter 12, just look there at the first two verses, and I'm going to read them now. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we'll talk about who they are in a few minutes, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the author of the book of Hebrews, and if I slip this morning one time and call him Paul, please forgive me for that, uh, the author of, of Hebrews is actually unknown, and I do have my own theories about who wrote Hebrews, but I do not believe it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, nevertheless, the, the, the author kind of reminds us of Paul here because he does something that Paul often does in that he compares the Christian life to an athletic event, and in this case, of course, to a race. And I, I really just want to ask us three, three questions this morning as we try to put 2020 in perspective and look ahead to 2021 uh, and hopefully get pointed in the right direction. The first question is, what is this race? Why is this a race? What does the race entail? What does it involve? Second question is, what kind of race is it? And then the third question is, how are we supposed to run this race with endurance? That's how the author here tells us to, to, to run it. So how do we do it with endurance? How do, we, how do we keep on running when it gets hard? So first question is simply this, what is this race? Why is it a race? Why does, why does the author here call it that? What, what is this race that is the Christian life? What does it mean to run it successfully and to run it with endurance? And as I think about this, a, a few things come to mind from other parts of Scripture. First, I think about something that Paul did say toward the end of his life. The Apostle Paul, in writing 2 Timothy, which was the last book that we have of his in the Bible, he was uh, basically on death row in prison in Rome when he wrote it. And he said this to Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Keeping the faith is 
strikes me as a very important thing here in running the race. And I think when Paul says, I have kept the faith, there are two things he had in view here. First of all, he had stood firm for the truth of the gospel. Sometimes when you see that word, the faith, it it, it stands for the content of what we believe as Christians. And Paul had never wavered. He had never compromised on the truth that he was preaching. He still believed it with all of his heart. That's part of it. But more than that, Paul had kept his faith, his trust in Jesus Christ, even in times of disillusionment and suffering and imprisonment, and now in 2 Timothy, even in face of his execution, which was coming up very soon. When you read the rest of 2 Timothy, what you see is that Paul has been abandoned by people. He's been forsaken by a lot of his friends. He has other friends who want to come and see him, but for whatever reason, they can't. And so he says that when he appeared before the court for his first defense in this trial for his life, he said, no one came to my aid. There were no witnesses that came to testify on his behalf. And and even though he's seen the failure of a lot of his friends, and some of these names are people that we would recognize as Christian leaders even, even though, even in the face of their failure to come to him, Paul never lost his faith in Christ. He knew, he knew, as he says, he knew whom he had believed, and he was persuaded that Jesus was able to keep that commitment, both Jesus' commitment to Paul and Paul's commitment to Jesus, and that would last till the very, very end. So part of, part of this running the race to completion means not losing your faith. It means not losing your trust in Jesus, even when painful, negative, unexpected things happen, and even when they kind of come at you one after the other, as happened to some of you in 2020. So i got to ask you a question. Has your faith wavered at all? Have you lost some of your trust in Jesus because of the things that have happened in your life in 2020? Are you perhaps a little bit less convicted and convinced of what you used to know was true because your world was shaken in some way? or because the world was shaken in some way, and you've kind of maybe lost confidence in Jesus. Has that happened at all? That's something you're going to need to deal with. We'll talk about that. But as I reflect on 2020, I also think about another passage earlier in the New Testament, something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus is talking about basically the times leading up to the end of time, leading up to to all the things that are going to happen in what we call the end times. And I am not here to tell you that I understand what God's timetable is for history, so I'm not saying these are the last days or anything like that. But I will tell you that if if nothing else, 2020 was perhaps a little bit of of a hint of what some of the things may be like coming one after the other in in these times leading up to the end. And Jesus did say this to his followers. He said, because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold, but he who perseveres to the end will be saved. Because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold, but he who perseveres to the end will be saved. And isn't, isn't that an interesting word for 2020, lawlessness? Did we see an increase in lawlessness at all in 2020? I think there's no doubt about that, right? But you know what? The question that most of us are trying to answer usually is this. Who's to blame for all this lawlessness? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from the political left? Is it coming from the political right? Is it coming from somewhere in between? We have to answer that question and find out who to to blame for all this. Jesus seems to be wanting us to ask a different question, though. And the question that, that he wants us to ask is this. Is the thought of all of this lawlessness, all of this evil, this wickedness around us, is that causing me to lose my love for other people? Is my love growing cold? Am I becoming completely cynical, believing that people are without hope, people can never change, and they can all just go to hell for all I care? Now, that's a harsh way to put it, but maybe that's the best way to put it. Because maybe that's how we feel sometimes. 
Jesus indicates that, that part of running this race with endurance is not letting that happen to us. Where is your soul this morning? Where is your soul right now when it comes to this idea of, of letting your love grow cold? Have you perhaps been listening to certain voices? Are you listening to voices today typically that encourage you to not give up on people? Or are you listening to voices that are turning your heart into ice? Because the choice is yours and only you can answer that question. And then one other dimension of this race comes from something Jesus says just a few verses later when he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. As the Holcombs reminded us last week, there is a task that is very much unfinished. Although it is getting closer to completion every single year, and it got closer to completion, yes, even in 2020. And surely part of our finishing the race means completing our part in what we call the Great Commission, that great command of Jesus, as we share him with our neighbors and also with the nations. So, so to me, that's, that's a lot of what this race entails as I look through the New Testament. Keeping your faith in Christ, hanging on to the truth, keeping your love for others alive, and then continuing to share Christ and to support the advance of his kingdom. But the next question is, well, what kind of race is this? What kind of race is this? Let me, let me, but what I mean by that is, first of all, let me ask you this. Is it a sprint? Okay, probably not, right? The, the, the Christian life is probably not the 100-meter dash where the gun goes off and you're done in 10 seconds. Well, for me, it wouldn't be 10 seconds, but, you know, 20 seconds. It's not a sprint. So is the Christian life a marathon? You've probably heard it said, maybe even from this pulpit, yeah, the Christian life is a lot more like a marathon than it is like a sprint. That's true, because you follow Jesus through all kinds of twists and turns. But I think what the author has in mind here is that the Christian life is really a relay race. It's a relay race. Let me explain that. If you look at the context here, Hebrews 12, of course, comes right after Hebrews 11. And if you know a lot about the book of Hebrews, you know that Hebrews 11 is a very distinct chapter, which gives us kind of the role of all these great Old Testament heroes of the faith. And it talks about all their exploits. And it also talks about a lot of the pain and frustration and even death and execution that they went through for God. And in verse 1, these great saints of the faith, people like David and Moses and Abraham and the judges and people like that, what they are pictured handing the baton off to a new generation of God followers who are going to run the next leg of the race. And that new generation is you and me. And these old saints of the past, they are now cheering us on as we begin to run our portion of this great relay race for God. And let me tell you something, it is our portion this is our leg of the relay race. Nobody else is going to run it for us. And when it says that the race here is, quote, set before us, these are words here the author uses. These are words of appointment. They are words of destiny. God has assigned us our part in this great relay race of the saints, and that means, brothers and sisters, that 2020 was in the plans all along. 2020 was going to happen. God knew it, we just didn't know it. And for that matter, 2021 is in the plans. And I have to tell you that because quite honestly, this year does not look very much different than last year, does it? But this is part of our race. 2020 and 2021 are two of the laps that you as followers of Jesus in this day and age have been called and assigned 
to run. And what happens in these years, bizarre as they might be, comes as no surprise to the sovereign God. He has not been befuddled one time by all the crazy things that have thrown the whole world for a loop. And I often say this, that, the, that the one of the most difficult commands in Scripture to obey, even though it's kind of an implicit command, one of the hardest commands to obey is the one that says this, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And that command is really hard to obey on days when you have a lot to do or you've got to get through something difficult or even for whatever reason, you just cannot seem to get yourself out of bed in the morning. And that's, maybe there have been a lot of days like that in 2020. But it works for years as well. Think of this year the same way as we, as we stumble out of the gate together at the beginning of 2021. But this is the year that the Lord has made coming up. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He's given it to us. And it can be said also of 2020. It was a year that the Lord made and gave to us. And my guess is that for a lot of you, a bunch of good things happened in 2020. Things that you don't want to forget. Things that you don't want to let go of. It is possible, for instance, that during that time that we now call the lockdown, and back then we called it the stay-at-home order or something like that, but it's possible that you took advantage of that extra time in your schedule, and maybe for the first time you learned what it was really like to seek God's face, to spend intimate time just walking with Him, to hear His voice, to meditate deeply and in a relaxed fashion on His words and who He is and His character. Maybe that's the first time you ever really learned to do that, and you don't want to forget that. You don't want to lose that just because 2020 is coming to an end or came to an end. It is also possible that you stopped running around like a crazy person who had to do 50 different things every day. And the reason you stopped running around like a crazy person was because 48 of those 50 things on any typical day were canceled, right? But oddly enough, even though you didn't do those 48 things, the world did not come to an end. It wasn't a pretty picture, but the world did not come to an end. And so you're thinking, well, maybe I can slow down a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's possible that, 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 that I don't have to be ruled by my, my daily calendar or, or my cell phone that keeps beeping at me. It's even possible, and this happened to us a little bit, that you got to know your neighbors a little bit better last year. And I don't mean your neighbors like all around the world or the community neighbors. I mean the neighbors that live next to you and across the street, right? Because nobody else had anywhere to go. So people sat on their porches and talked to each other. And I know that maybe some of you got closer to those people. And even though maybe your closest conversation like ours were was from 10 feet away, right? And yet that's still closer than you had ever been to them before. Let me encourage you here. Take stock of these things. Don't lose them. Carry them on into 2021 and beyond because God was in those things and he used 2020 to bring those truths and those experiences home to you and he doesn't want you to lose them. There are good things that happened. It was the year that the Lord made. Now on the other hand, there are some other things that you might have picked up in 2020 and these things are not so positive. And the verse talks about these things and it uses two words to describe them. The first word is wait and the second word is sin. Now, the sin part is probably easier to understand, and I know that 2020 was a tough year for people to be battling sin. And one of the reasons was that all, all the loss of routine and all the dead time in our schedules led a lot of people to be drawn back to addictions and habits that were harmful to them and that they thought they had gotten rid of. But what had happened was they were just being kept at bay by busyness. And when the busyness went away, the bad stuff came back. And perhaps you struggled with things like that in recent months. But then on top of that, there are what the author calls weights, or what are they? 
Well, just like it's hard to run a race with your you know, shoelaces tied together by sin, it's also hard to run a race very well when you've got all sorts of extra weight that you're carrying. In fact, the Olympic runners of ancient days to whom the author is probably referring here actually competed naked, which is why I don't have a visual for you on this particular slide. But you get the idea, right? It is not just flagrant sin that holds you back from running the race. It is any extra weight that you've taken on. And these don't have to be bad things. They can be good things or neutral things. And they're just taking up too much of your time, too much of your effort, too much of your money, too much of your attention. I noticed, for instance, back in the spring, how beautiful my neighborhood became. Did that happen to your neighborhood? It did to mine because everybody was stuck at home and they spent so much time gardening and perfecting their their lawns and and beautifying everything around their house. Maybe that was you, or maybe you're one of those families that spent most of 2020 at Lowe's, and you've gotten into so much home improvement and repair that it's hard to know when to stop, right? Or maybe you've discovered some really cool shows on Netflix, and it's it's been kind of part of your routine since then to to sort of binge on these things, and maybe you can't stop, or, or maybe dare I suggest that we may be talking about actual weight, like pounds, and you let your body get away from you a little bit, and you lost some of your self-discipline in 2020. Pastor, how can you even mention that? You've never talked about that before. How dare you? You I would say, I I would throw the first stone if my hand was not full of pistachio nuts, okay? But we we are all dealing with stuff like that. It is even possible maybe a little more seriously, but but it is even possible, and I've heard mature Christians whom I respect very much testify to this, that you sank into a kind of spiritual lethargy or or fatigue in 2020, in the midst of the slow time and the downtime, and and that rather rather than taking that time to really cultivate your relationship with God, that the loss of routine hit you hard because you lost the the rhythms that you had in your life of Bible study and and time with, with God and going to church and that helped you to to maintain a close walk with Jesus in the past, but you didn't have your brothers and sisters this time to help you up because they couldn't be around to encourage you. And I think I'm speaking perhaps to some of you at home right now who just found that it's really easy to roll out of bed and go to church. I'm not saying you need to come in tomorrow or anything like that, but I'm saying ask yourself. Ask yourself if you've fallen into a little bit of, of spiritual laziness as a result of what's going on in 2020. Let me encourage you now and tell you that that these things do not have to be the new normal. You can throw off the weight that you've taken on. You can disentangle yourself from the sin that so easily entangles you. And that's because once you've looked back, now you can look forward. And the second verse tells us what we need to look forward to. As the author now tells us how how to run the Christian race with endurance and not give up. And what he says is this, he tells us to look to Jesus, whom he calls the author and perfecter, some of you have author and finisher, of our faith. Now the word author really means originator, the, the first person to do something, or the person who starts something. And it would be hard to put this, verse in the, this, this word in the Bible, but, but I really believe the best word to translate this word author would probably be our word pioneer. Jesus is the pioneer of our faith, just like the great inventors and the pioneers of the past, you know, the, the Alexander Graham Bells, the Thomas Edison, the Lewis and Clarks, the Wright brothers, people like that. That, that, that. These are people who were the first ones to accomplish something. And when they accomplished something, everybody that came after them knew that it could be done. And so they were able to do it better and better and better. When Charles Lindbergh became the first man to actually cross the ocean in an airplane, 
He didn't, he, that wasn't the end, he, right? He paved the way for everyone else and scientists and aeronautical engineers and aircraft manufacturers since then have been trying to perfect the process of, as they've made intercontinental flight more efficient and, and, and faster and, and, and use less fuel and safer and all that kind of stuff. They're perfecting what somebody else started. But Jesus is a different kind of pioneer because not only is he the originator who did it first, it says here he's also the perfecter. So Jesus wasn't just the pioneer in living the life of faith. He perfected the life of faith in God. He lived it without fail from beginning to end. His faith in God the Father never wavered. His love for people never grew cold. He never fell into hopelessness. He never fell into despair. He he stuck with his mission even though he knew it was going to lead him to a cross and all the pain and shame and humiliation that that was going to result in. And yet he endured. He endured. And so can we. So can we. And when I say this, what I'm saying, along with the author of Hebrews here, is that we need to look to Jesus as our example. As our example, which means we need to follow in his footsteps. Yes, we need to think, what would Jesus do? We need to read the Gospels and get to know him better to see what Jesus did. And we need to learn to imitate what he does. Only in that way will we be able to run the race with endurance in 2021? But if you have been coming to First Alliance Church for any length of time at all, and you've ever heard me preach a sermon about Jesus, you probably know what I'm going to say next. And that is that we have to be very careful when we start using Jesus as our example. And that is because if Jesus is merely our example, if he is only our example, if the whole sum total of the Christian life is saying, what would Jesus do in trying to do it? If Jesus is merely our example, that is deadly. That is deadly, and here's why. Because following Jesus merely as an example always leads us to two dead ends. The first dead end happens when we realize that it is impossible to follow Jesus' example. We can't do it. And if you don't believe that, it only means you've never tried. Because it can't be done. That kind of 100% spirit-filled, faith-filled, courage-filled, love-filled life is impossible for you and me. We can't even come close to it any more than we can run a a one-minute mile. And that leads us immediately to the second dead end, which is the overwhelming sense of guilt at our own sinfulness and inadequacy when we realize that we fall far short of the life that Jesus calls us to and we can't do anything about it. So powerlessness and guilt These are the twin dead ends that we run into when we look to to, to use Jesus as our example, and that's the sum total of what we do. And yet we are still called to look to Christ as an example many places in the Bible, including here. So how can we? How can we? What gets us past the dead end? I'm about to give you some good news. In fact, I'm going to give you some great. Here's the great news. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, has done something to get us past those two dead ends. First of all, he took away our sin and our shame, and our guilt by dying for us in our place on Calvary's cross. So we start the race not from a position of guilt and condemnation, but we start the race from a position of perfect righteousness, which he has given us as a gift. That's how we start the race. And then, here's the other thing, as we come to him in faith, he not only forgives us, but he places within us his own spirit, the spirit of love 
the spirit of perfect holiness, the spirit who knows how to run this race perfectly and has the power to do it. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit, enables us to live above our powerlessness as we confess our sins, as we yield our will to Jesus, and as we follow him day by day. No more guilt. No more powerlessness. But there's just one more thing I want to take note of as we close, because it's also in these verses, and I think it's important. And it's the motivation that Jesus had that enabled him to go to the cross like this. You see it toward the end of verse 2. It says it was the joy. For the joy that was set before him. And that that certainly includes the joy of being back in the presence of his Father, for sure, but, but it also includes the joy of his upcoming wedding day the day that he would be united to his bride, which is made up of all the people, the Bible says, that he came to save, including you and me if we're in Christ. And because that day is not just his wedding, it's ours too, we can imitate the joy and we can also imitate his motivation. Most of you here are married, not all of you are, but if you're married, you probably remember something about the joy of the anticipation of that day, right? Let me talk about a joy of another anticipation, actually. You know, when, when um, the day that Dawn and I, back in July of, of 2020, uh, got to see our grandson for the very first time, that was also the day that Nathan and Delaney brought him back home from the hospital after four very frustrating days in the NICU. And we were going there to try to meet them at the house, and we were going to help fix things up and get everything in place. But, but then that day turned into one of the worst weather days of the year. Uh, we approached Durham, as we got off the exit, the sky just got really dark, and lightning and thunder started in earnest, and just buckets of water were falling out of the sky, and we're trying to find our way into where their house is, and they were actually having car trouble at the hospital and the parking lot trying to get everything set, and we finally got to the house, and we met them there, and we're trying to get the baby into the house, and lightning striking like 30 yards away, and I'm thinking, what is it with this kid already, you know? <laughs> but you know what? Even though that was one of the most miserable drives that we ever took through that storm, we we didn't really mind so much. In fact, it it was a little bit of fun driving through that storm. In fact, we were very excited to be driving through that storm, and we would not have turned back for anything. You know why? Yeah, you know why, if you're a grandparent, because the joy that was awaiting us at the end, that's why. You know what else? I have heard that seeing Jesus face to face is even better than seeing the face of your grandchild for the first time. And as hard as that is to believe, I know it's true. Think about that. It's our wedding day too, as well as his. There is a joy that propels Christians to do all sorts of crazy things as we run this race. It keeps our love alive. It keeps our hearts at peace when, when, when we run through storms. It makes telling other people about Jesus an adventure, maybe a scary adventure, but an adventure more than just this burdensome task that we have to suffer through. And it makes trusting in God for 2021 the best thing ever. So today, I want to do this as we go to the to communion table. Uh, I want to take some time before we do to just open up our hearts and and just maybe meditate for a few minutes and see what we can do about identifying and casting off some of the sin and some of the weight that is keeping us from from moving forward into 2021. And then I want to look at Jesus. 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. He finished the race. He rose from the dead. And he is now seated with power and authority at the right hand of God. Let's pray, and I'm going to ask Eddie and Keith to come forward just to help us pray. Father, you are wanting us to move forward in this race with freedom. And Lord, it's hard for us to remain free because our our souls, our hearts just get so um, tied up with things, sometimes good things, sometimes sinful things. But over the course of a year like 2020, there may be some things we need to look at. And so, God, I, I do pray that you would lead us through this time, that we would face our own hearts and face you with honesty. And, Lord, as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus together, that we would be fully committed to following you into a new year, free from guilt and condemnation, free from sins and addictions, free from spiritual lethargy and fatigue, free from all that holds us back so that we might run with endurance the race set before us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you could just keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I want to give you a moment of silence. That's one of the hardest things for us to do sometimes is to have a moment of silence. But during that silence, I want you to think about your own life. Maybe some things have come to your mind during the message today or as you've been reading in God's Word or maybe while you were singing or at some other time. Or maybe even now you can do a little inventory. And and what are the things that you've picked up in 2020? Good things, bad things. What are the weights? What are the sins? What is keeping you from moving forward in faith? What do you need to bring to the cross this morning?